Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Man, I just feel a peace of the Holy Spirit this morning, and I'm not sure what that's going to turn into um, but I just want to be sensitive to what it is that, that he is trying to do and, and lead us towards. Amen. Um, one thing, I, I know Yesenia uh, mentioned it, but I want to just, I want to kind of talk a little bit about tonight because I believe tonight's going to be real special at 7 p.m. Uh, many of you may not know who Noah is. Um, I met Noah a few years ago, and uh, for the past two years, Bishop and I have had an opportunity every October to just spend some time with Noah Heron. And I'll, I'll tell you, he's a young dude. He's about 27, 28 years old now, something like that. And um, he's a young guy. But I have never in my life met a young person walk in the kind of anointing that he does and with the kind of humility that he does. And so a little bit of his story is he got saved. He grew up as a pastor's kid. And he got saved, really saved, in college watching a YouTube sermon um, so we are grateful for YouTube because it does go out. Amen, right? Like, it's good. Um, and whenever he got saved, he decided to start a Bible study. And so he told a few friends his first Bible study, 200 young adults showed up. And in the course of one year, they ended up birthing a ministry that went from 200 people to 1,200 young adults. Um, and God has just been using him mightily. Uh, across this nation since then. And so this morning, he's actually at Church Unleashed, which is uh, Pastor Todd Bishop, another friend of um, Bishop Joe and myself's, and uh, he's over there preaching. And then we're going to go grab him as soon as the second service is over and come over here and fight the Long Island Expressway. So y'all pray for me, because that is a sanctification process, okay? Um, And anyone who's driven there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Look, I'm excited about today. I'm going to dive straight into it. I want to make sure that I honor y'all's time. But we have been in a collection of talks called Use It or Lose It, where we're talking about faith uh, and allow, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to uh, have that faith be activated into works, works that will point people to Jesus, works that will do good in the community, works that will ultimately expand the kingdom of heaven. And I know last week I heard Bishop tore the house down, uh, just did a great job and 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 talking about trials and temptations. And I know for us in Albany, it was extremely good. We were uh, watching the stream and, and it just really, really blessed us. But as we dive into this, I want to start with the passage of Scripture, which is why we just did this song. Because what James is about to talk about in this particular text really mimics uh, or mirrors uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And he's trying to get to the church for, for this kind of reality to be placed inside of them of like, hey, I don't want you to be deceived by other doctrines. I don't want you to be uh, deceived by other things that you are hearing culturally speaking or even other religions that are starting to make them their way into the, the church, the way, the, the way or being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and so I want to start with this in Matthew chapter 7. These are the words of Jesus. This is the last statement on the Sermon of the Mount. And he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. 
And the rain fell, like it is right now, outside. And the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. See, what James is about to talk about and what Jesus is trying to reiterate to all of us is we have to build our lives, our homes, so to speak, our families upon a firm foundation. And that firm foundation in our society and in our culture could be so many different things. But the firm foundation in the kingdom of God is Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. And he is what we build our life upon and who we submit under. Do you guys, you guys catch that? We build our life upon all that Jesus is and is doing in the word of truth. We submit under his authority in the leading of the Holy Spirit. And far too often, if your foundation is not built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, when trials and tribulations and circumstances like we've experienced as a nation and as a world for the past year hit us, um, you start to, to rock the boat. The boat starts to get rocked. You start to feel the pressure. You start to feel the tension. You start to experience the hardship or the challenges in your life. And so James is about to address this. He's essentially saying to the church, I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to refocus or reset your heart on what it is that Jesus desires for you and desires for me. And so I'm going to pick up in James chapter 1, verse 16, and I'm going to go kind of quick today. But he says this, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Verse 18, Of his own will he, being God, brought us forth by the word of truth, the gospel, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, um, I'm not a farmer, and I don't want to pretend to know anything about a farming, about farming or livestock or, or trying to be country or anything like that. I'm, I'm just not that guy, all right? And maybe some of you, you guys have got that background and that experience. But in Jewish culture, farmers would take the first fruits of their crop and they would offer it unto the Lord. And, and what this is talking about right here is really talking about how God is in the process of redeeming all of creation back to himself. So that's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. God is redeeming everything back to himself. And so this broken world that we are in right now, the fragments of, of life that are falling apart around us, the, the brokenness of creation of humanity is all going to be redeemed back to God. Ephesians 1 and Romans chapter 8. And, and in the process of all of that, God chose his people, the church, to be the first fruits of that, to be the first portion, so to speak, of that. And, and so what James is doing right here is he's really talking about or casting a vision for what the church should look like. Now, in the Jewish time, the church was birthed out of Judaism, 
but then it spread to the Gentiles. And then we see in Revelation that the kingdom of God is every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. All different people, all different races. And so James is casting this vision of this house that God is building with the first fruits, us, here in this room. And this house is made up of multiple rooms that represent multiple backgrounds and multiple um, ethnicities and different diversities, but it's all brought together through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Jesus, we're all brought together. And ultimately what James wants out of what he's about to dive into is he, his desire is for what Jesus did on the cross, the identity that we receive being children of God in the first fruits of his redemption, to transform us from the inside out. To transform us from the inside to the point that what God has done on the inside has to come out. Have you ever been to a really good restaurant before? And um, I actually, this morning I was in the hotel and, and I was on the elevator and uh, this woman got in and she's like, you know, we're from Vermont and this is the first time we've done anything in a year. And I'm like, well, it's welcome to New York, you know, and, um, and I don't know what they were thinking going to New York. Vermont is like totally different, and, but, you know, maybe they wanted to see people. Um, but <sighs> literally, she's like, we haven't seen people in a year. It's just been me and my husband. I'm like, well, you're going to go to 8 million right here. So like, welcome, you know, God bless you. And, um, but, uh, have you ever been to a really good restaurant? And, and you go there, and man, the food is extremely good, and you just can't stop talking about it. It's like it hits that sweet spot on the inside, that soul food. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's this restaurant, and I don't remember the restaurant. I, I think it's 174 Mulberry Street in Little Italy, and I went to it. Uh, this is a few years ago. I was down here for a conference, and and went to it, and, and someone was telling me about it. You know, you need to go to this restaurant. And I'm telling you, man, um, they have the best Italian red sauce I have ever had. Like, ever had. And if you think you have better, invite me over, and I will gladly come, and I will taste test your red sauce. Um, but but it, was, it was one of those things that this red sauce is still, like, I'm still talking about it years later. Here we are today at church, and I'm telling you about this restaurant on Mulberry Street in Little... ...inside should hit that spot to where you have to start telling everyone about it. You have to start sharing with people about it. You have to start allowing what has happened on the inside to transform what you do on the outside to be able to reach people. And this is the vision that James is casting for the church. A church of every tribe, of every nation, of every tongue that is built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ that is just oozing with the Holy Spirit that just everywhere they go there is kingdom demonstration and kingdom power and the works of the Holy Spirit being done so that it points people back to our Heavenly Father. He continues on though in verse 19 and this is where he starts to, to, to hit on some of the, the, the serious stuff. He says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, 
slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. Some of y'all are looking at your spouses right now. Slow to anger. I want you to just think about that for a second. Especially in the day and age that we're dealing in, dealing with right now. I want you to think about the tension and the unrest that is still happening in this country. I want you to think about the racial divide that is taking place in this country. I want you to think about the political divide that has happened in this country. I want you to think about the divide between the churches that are happening in this country and the different denominations. And, and, and I really believe that one of the biggest reasons we are seeing such a big divide is because the church has stopped listening and we've started speaking a whole lot when really God is like, no, I want you to listen and I want you to shut your mouth. Y'all like, some of y'all are like, this is good. Some of y'all are like, oh, where is he going with this? No, I'm, I want you to think about this. How often are you to throw out your opinion and quick to speak without actually getting all the facts or the understanding or hearing the other side of it? Sometimes we get around people and people don't need for you to talk. They just need for you to listen. They need for, for you to have empathy with them. They need for you to have understanding with them. It's like whenever my, my dad passed away back in 2013, my father had passed away and, and, and you know, and I, I've got so many great friends and great people around me, but whenever my dad passed away, I didn't need someone to come up to me and tell me how to deal with the five stages of grief. I needed someone to sit there and to listen. I needed someone to sit there and be a shoulder for me to cry upon. And so at the time, there was this divide that was taking place in the church 2,000 years ago. That divide is still happening, by the way. Um, and James is addressing it right here. And he's saying, hey, 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 I want you, brothers and sisters, I want you, you already know the truth. You know the truth. You know what God wants to do. You're the first fruits of what he's doing. I want you to be quick to listen. I want you to be quick to listen. When your brother or your sister is going through a time of distress, I want you to be quick to listen. Whenever you're facing um, different situations around you or you're on the bus and, and you see someone who's going through certain things, be quick to listen. Whenever you have a family member who just needs someone to talk to, just be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to speak. James is about to address our words again but how often do our words actually get us in trouble? How often is it that we say something and what we say gets us in trouble? We, we say stuff. We'll get to that in just a moment. And then he says this, be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. Look at Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus starts to address anger in our hearts. And I want you to just really allow this to examine your heart. Your anger that maybe you have towards a relative you haven't talked to or anger that you have towards a boss that you're having to deal with right now. I hope y'all don't have anger with me, all right? And so like, <laughs> anger towards 
Someone who's wronged you in the past. What does Jesus say about the anger in your heart? Jesus says it's the same thing as being a murderer. Jesus says if you've got anger in your heart, it's the same as being a murderer. You've already committed murder in your heart. Now, man, Michael, that's, that's harsh. You know what? It is harsh, but that's the words of Jesus. And so if that is harsh for you, I just want to challenge you, man. Maybe you need to go talk to Jesus about this. Like, if you, like, really. And then Jesus takes it to another level, and he says, I want you to pray for those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who talk bad about you. Let me, look, we, I, you guys know I primarily, I'm, I'm in Albany, I live in Albany, and um, we're dealing with like a, a siege right now. It's called the Siege of the South Station. On top of that, we're constantly dealing with protest against the governor. And I see so many Christians who are so quick to talk bad about our governor and who are so slow to pray for him. And so if he's going to be an enemy, so to speak, to your belief system, why shouldn't we be praying for him? And, and look, I don't, I don't want to stay on that politics, but, like, the, the tension, the tension, the prayer, praying for our enemies. And, and so he continues on in, in verse 21. Sorry, I lost my place. Therefore, put away or take off, your version may say take off, all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. And so he's saying, I want you to take off, I want you to put away your wickedness, your sin, your anger, your bitterness, and and I want you to get implanted in the word of truth, the word of God, which is the the scripture, because the gospel will save your soul. Your anger will not save your soul. Your frustration will not save your soul. Your affiliation will not save your soul. What you like to do will not save your soul. The only thing that is going to save, look, the only thing that's going to save the soul of the mankind and womankind here in New York and in America is going to be that of Jesus Christ. There is no other system. There is no other way. There is no other organization. It is the the system of the kingdom of God of Jesus Christ. And what's crazy about this system is that God uses the church church as an organism to be able to to be the hands and the feet to be able to reach people who are far from God and so like like this is it what's what's our hope Jesus what's going to help me with my frustration Jesus what's going to heal me of the bitterness that I've got Jesus what's going to set me free of my addiction Jesus, what's going to bring restoration and reconciliation to my family? Jesus, what's going to bring racial reconciliation in America? Jesus, what's going to bring political balance? Jesus, it is only Jesus. And that's what James is saying. We've got to build our foundation on the system of heaven, which is Jesus. 
which is Jesus. Y'all, these are not in my notes, and so I, you guys just bear with me. And if you have any complaints, feel free to email me. I'd love to talk with you about them. But be doers, verse 22, and this is where he gets, oh man, I love this part right here. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7? Anyone who hears my words and does them is like a wise man. Anyone who hears my words and doesn't do them is like a foolish man. And so here's James, the brother of Jesus, saying, be doers of the word, not only hearers, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So let me, let me I, I said this two weeks ago, all right? And I may have not said it like this. Here's the word of God. Whenever we open up the scripture, whenever we open up the gospel, especially the book of James, it's like looking into a spiritual mirror. Like, you know, be um, quick to hear. Okay, I got to work on that. Slow to speak. I definitely need to work on that. Slow to anger. I'm going to be driving on the Long Island Expressway. Father, I need your help with that. For the anger of a man does not produce. God, I want to produce righteousness. So maybe I need to listen to Bethel while I'm driving today and just keep my mouth shut at the BMW that's going to cut me off. I can already see it prophetically. We open this thing, and it should be like a mirror to our soul. It should, it should cause us to reflect upon our true identity as a disciple of Jesus Christ as someone who is saved and sanctified, as someone who is righteous and holy, as someone who has royal blood flowing through him or through her, as someone who is the head and not the tail, as someone who God is for us and not against us, as I am a child of God and I'm going through all of this, this mirror should cause us to recognize our true identity in Jesus Christ. Look, how often do you look at the mirror? How often, ladies, do you pull out your phone and you're like, uh, I need to get some more lipstick, right? You know, how often are we constantly checking our image in this day and age and in this life? The same thing should be true every time we dig into this. We are constantly checking our image. And sometimes we see a blemish that we have to work on. That's called progressive sanctification. And God is saying, I want to deal with that area of your life. You've got this little uh, acne pimple that's popping up right here. Let's deal with that. It's called sin, and I want to remove it from you. But what happens, catch me, catch me, what happens is that people go into church... They hear about the goodness of God. They recognize once they get in the scripture their identity. And as the verse said right before, they start to take off their sin. Take off 
their old nature and they start to leave it on the ground. But the danger, church, is this, is that when we leave church and we go from Sunday into Monday into Tuesday into Wednesday into Thursday, we start to pick back up our old, filthy, wicked habits and we forget about our true identity in Jesus Christ. And James is saying, church, I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to wake up. I want you to recognize who you are because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Come on, does anyone know that you are a child of God today? Look, if you're here and you're saying, I don't know why I came to church. I knew this guy would be yelling at me the whole day. I'm here to tell you and to yell at you. Maybe I need to be slow to speak. You are loved by the high king. And he has a plan and he has a purpose for you. And he wants you to take off your wickedness, your outer garments, and leave it at the foot of the cross. He continues on in verse 25. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty. I love that. The law of freedom. And preserves being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. How often do we have in our culture this idea of hashtag blessed? I'm just blessed. Man, Being blessed in the kingdom of God literally looks like walking in the commands of God. You want to experience financial blessing? Start following the commands of God with your finances. You want to experience um, family blessings? Start following the commands of God in the family. And and, and so I think sometimes we look at the commands of God as like these do's and these don'ts, but man, it's not these do's and don'ts. This is a horrible analogy, all right? But this is the best best one that I've got. And so you guys bear with me. Um, A stray dog thinks, and I'm I'm saying this because I'm not calling anyone a dog, okay? A stray dog, uh, a stray dog thinks that they're free. They can run around, they can go around, they can go about town, they can run in the, the, you know, underneath roads and in the sewer system, out in open valleys and on mountaintops, and they're free. But they have no guaranteed shelter. They have no guaranteed food. If they get hit by a vehicle, no one's going to stop. Unless you're compassionate towards animals, then you might. No one's going to forget or, or miss this dog. They're just going to forget it. Just keep moving on. But a dog who lives in a home, who has pet parents who love them and take care of them, will get two, sometimes three meals a day. Will have a fenced-in area where that dog can run safely and not worried about being attacked. When that dog is sick, will go to the vet and get taken care of. Which one has more freedom? The same thing is true with the commands of God. You think you're free because you're not following any of the commands of God and you can do whatever it is that you you want, but really the person who's following the commands of God and has those guardrails around them are able to operate in the protection and in the safety that God has called his church to and be able to experience the blessings of being a child of God. So he continues... He continues, verse 26 and 27, as we wrap this up. 
If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. Be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. You know what's going to get you in trouble? Your mouth. And look, I'm not talking about slipping up and having a cuss word. I'm talking about those moments where you say something hateful that you absolutely regret later because of the bitterness in your heart that you haven't dealt with. I'm talking about you going into your work environment and you saying something about your boss or you saying something about someone there. Be slow to speak. Bridle your tongue. Listen, church. Scripture is explicitly clear that life and death come out of your tongue. You know, a few years ago, I was, I was praying and up in Albany, and, and, and you know, Albany's a, a little different. Albany's like a mini Brooklyn, the best way to describe it. Much smaller, but it's like Brooklyn, but not. It's cool. If you haven't been to Albany, go downtown. You go 10 minutes outside of Albany, it's just farmland. It's weird. Um, but I remember all these pastors, they kept saying, God's not moving in the capital region. God's not moving in New York State. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, that's debatable, but, you know. Um, and they just kept talking so negative of the church. And I remember I was driving back from this conference and I'm coming into Albany and I'm just praying. I'm just like, God, what is it? What is it? Like, what is the key to see breakthrough? What is the key to see revival happen? What is the key to see a harvest of souls? And do you know what? I genuinely feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to me at that moment. He said, Michael, the church has been cursing itself for decades. And so they want to see revival, but they call themselves the frozen chosen. They say that God will never move here. They say that there's no way God can do that in the city of Albany. There's no way that God's going to end up impacting the government in the city of Albany. There's no way that the church can be unified. And every time that they speak this, they are speaking death to the very thing that I died for. And I'm telling you, I heard that and I went to a pastor's meeting and you share that with 20 or 30 different pastors and it's a little daunting because it's like, here I am, the young guy, I'm about to share something. But I'm telling you, the moment that we shared that, it was like, okay, let's shift our focus and let's start blessing one another. Let's start lifting up the name of Jesus in every church that declares the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's start working together to see God transform. And do you know that we went from the least biblical minded city in America to the fourth least biblically minded city, which may not mean a lot, but we moved four places. And I believe that that is because people are starting to realize that we have life and death out of our tongue. And whenever we curse the church, whenever we curse each other, we are cursing God's creation. We are cursing someone made in the image of God. So every time we don't bridle our tongue and we get and we start slandering someone. I want you to remember that Jesus died for them too. Jesus died for them too. And then he continues with this, and I say this as I wrap up. Religion that is pure 
and undefiled before God. The Father is this. To visit orphans and widows and their affliction and to keep oneself abstained from the world. I want you guys to just dream with me for just a moment. Widows and orphans, when you love them, when you give to them, what are you going to get in return? Nothing. James says, I know that's true religion. I want you to love to a point to where if you get nothing in return, you're doing it because you simply love the person the way God loves you. You know, we have been in the middle of COVID-19 and I'm so stinking tired of COVID-19 and face masks and air high fives and social distancing. I'm telling you, I just want to rip my face mask off and just go give every one of you guys a hug. But you know, I was reading and right now medical field and science and all of that is being pushed and it should. But do you know where the first hospitals came from? It came from the church. Whenever a plague hit the Roman Empire and people started freaking out in the inner city. And so what they did is the people left the city because they didn't have the understanding. And so Christians ran into the city to take care of the sick, which is how Christianity moved into the major cities in the Roman Empire. It was in the middle of a plague that God used the church to be His hands and to be His feet and to be hospitable, which is where we get the name hospital from. It was the church who was involved in the medical field before anybody else was involved in the medical field. Do you, do you know about orphans in the first century? Do you know what they would do is if a Roman family decided to, 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 to have a baby and they had a girl and they didn't want the girl, they would take the girl, wrap the girl up, and put her by this particular side where you would end up bringing babies that you didn't want and they would go about their way. The church said that's wrong and the church stepped in and started the first orphanages in foster care and said if you guys don't want them, the church is going to take care of the orphans. The church is going to take care of the widows. The church has always been the people of God who have ran into affliction, ran into suffering, ran into brokenness, and had empathy and said, I may not know what you're going through. I may not completely understand, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen and I'm going to be the hands and feet of Jesus so that you can receive some kind of healing or some kind of comfort or so you're dying on the hospital bed. I'm going to hold your hand whenever no one else is there. The church is the one that did that. And that's what James... Will you guys stand with me? We're out of time. That's what James says. I, I, I just... I wish that I could just portray this enough in my heart to be able to like get it out there so you guys could just grab a hold of it. 
but I want you to think about what would happen. I want you to think about what would happen if we were really the hands and feet of Jesus, expecting nothing in return, and loving creation the way that Jesus loves us. Loving our families and our co-workers. Man, could you just imagine? And I believe that's the church that Jesus is looking for. And I believe we can be that church. I believe we can be that church. Can we make a commitment to leave here today and to just be the hands and feet? Come on, Father, I thank you for every person, God. Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would just move in our hearts, God. Allow us to be transformed by your love, to build our life upon your foundation, but from there to take it and to go out and to impact people, to see people who are far from God being led into a growing relationship with you, finding the freedom and the salvation that comes through the cross, God. God, let us be that church. In Jesus' name, and everybody says... Amen. Listen, let's, let's worship real quick and we'll get you guys out of here in just a moment. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.